1: fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Monday, happy Monday to everyone. Happy 1st of February. I guess tomorrow's Groundhog's Day. We're now into the month of February. It Seems like January took quite a while. Uh, this 2021 year getting off to a you know interesting start for sure for everybody. But I wanted to thank everyone for listening. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. And an Apple podcast, if you have that app, please leave us a five-star rating. Subscribe to the podcast and any kind of review that you have with comments, feedback, suggestions. We do appreciate that very, very much. And we appreciate Harvey Hyde coming onto the show every week talking about USC football. we got a bunch of different topics to talk about today. It's actually the the week of National Signing Day, National Letter of Intent Day. Uh, it's been definitely diminished with the early signing period in December. We'll talk about that a little bit. USC hiring their tight ends coach. Uh, some of the uh, the analysts that have been lost off the staff. So a lot of things to get to today. and We'll do that with the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde, or you can go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Check out all of his content. Coach, how are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm doing great, buddy. I'll tell you, another great weekend. I missed... Um... I missed a lot of football this weekend, but I watched the Senior Bowl. I don't know how many people watched that, and I watched the practices during the week. It's interesting to watch that and see the coaches coach it and evaluate it. They say very basic, but it's nice. It was entertaining because there wasn't any other football on, but this is a huge week. Ryan, when you mentioned National Letter of Intent on Wednesday and also the Super Bowl on Sunday, I mean, uh, it's sort of the conclusion of a football season, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Except get ready for spring practice and talk about all the issues and things that are happening in college football.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. We're gonna we'll talk about the national signing day stuff in a minute. Um, It's just weird the way that's changed, and it's changed over the last few years. Uh, But and we got to talk about uh, USC hiring a tight ends coach. But you mentioned the senior ball already, so maybe we'll start with that, coach. uh, USC only had one uh, senior invited, Marlon. Tui to like a guy like Tyler Vons, uh, could have gone. He wasn't invited. They're not going to do the traditional NFL combine, so there's going to be a lot more emphasis on all of the pro days of the different college campuses. So it's definitely a different kind of year for players coming out and trying to make it in, with the NFL draft. There's just going to be less uh, in-person data that, that uh, all these NFL programs and GMs and coaches can can gather that they normally would in a regular year. So, what I, what did you think? Co- I mean, I think Marlon Pelotu seemed to, to do pretty well. I didn't check out a ton of the Senior Bowl stuff, but any thoughts from that? And uh, you know, USC's kind of off season in general.
2: I think he did himself good down there. Uh, I've been to the uh, Senior Bowl before, and I've worked to Senior Bowl before, and and uh, it's a great thing to be at. You can evaluate the players, good against goods. Uh, The top players in the country normally they have there, two NFL coaching staffs coach it, and they certainly have an advantage as far as working uh, with them. I I think that Marlon uh, uh, is predicted now in the second round somewhere, which uh, it was good for him. uh, I thought, I'm I'm glad he went. I am somewhat puzzled, too, as you are, Ryan, why other players, I don't know why Hufunga didn't play in it, or St. Brown might be hurt. Tucker, the offensive tackle, I'm not quite sure why he didn't play in it unless they chose not to play in it and go for the pro day or their agent told him not to play in it. I I don't know. And Tyler Vaughn, I'm not sure why he didn't play or if he was invited. So I can't really give you any type of opinion on that. But I think it's great that when you're invited to those things to go to those things to get the additional exposure, especially if you're a guy in the bubble where you're not sure if you're a third round or fourth round or first round or whatever you might be, a second round to improve your stock like in the past a lot of the quarterbacks decided not to work out in or play in the senior bowl or go to the combine or whatever and as you mentioned we won't be having a combine this year so they figured the only thing they could do is lower their rating rather than bring their rating up but it was a larger group of players there and you know they did limit who could go to it this year normally all the assistant coaches go the head coaches go like when i was there and so on it was really a a coaching convention as far as evaluating players and coaches talking to each other about the seasons and a lot of discussions on the coaching openings and all the things that were going on but this year the only people that attended were the two staffs that coached it and the uh, general managers and scouting departments and possibly in some situations the head coaches Uh, a lot of situations the head coaches weren't there so no assistant coaches so they really did cut it down and because of the virus and so on they wanted to be very careful and limit people there who was at the uh, Mobile Alabama. So it was a good game. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the coaches really did a great job of coaching. They're really organized. Guys uh, ran around, they're very disciplined. They did what they were supposed to do. I think they learned a lot about pro techniques and calling the plays. Amazing. You saw both you saw both teams at huddles, which is something a lot of these teams haven't done. Before these kids have never been in a huddle and a lot of the snaps from under center center where a lot of these quarterbacks and centers haven't really snapped the ball under center. So it was uh, good to see. And I think they did a lot of that for evaluation and so on. But it was good. I'm just somewhat uh, surprised that USC didn't have any players in that or the hula bowl, which was played, I think, on Saturday night in Honolulu. And uh, that was a game. uh, that uh, a lot of players played in, but uh, I didn't see any Trojans in that game either.
1: Yeah, I didn't see much of that one. Um, I didn't really know that was going on, Coach. I'll have to check that out for the Senior Bowl. Um, I think Elijah Vera Tucker would have been eligible. You have to for redshirt juniors. You have to have been in college for four years. and You've had to have graduated in December. So I, I don't recall off the top of my head if Elijah Vera Tucker uh, would have graduated in December or not. Um, you also have to get the blessing of the college coach. I don't think Clay Hilton would have an issue with that. But it's really only for seniors. But if you've been around for four years and have graduated, you could play as well. So Tyler Vons, uh, you know, apparently was not invited. I didn't hear, or if, if he was, he didn't accept. But it's good for Marlon Tupelo to give himself a you know a little boost there. And like you said, if he ends up being a second round pick, that would be uh really big for him. But you know, we'll have to see all those guys when USC does their pro day and we'll see when that uh, comes to be usually it's in March, but they've delayed spring practice until April, and a lot of times they do it, or they always do it during spring practice. So maybe you'll see USC's pro day be a little bit later. We'll have to see. Uh, maybe they'll have it early. So we'll we'll uh, keep you updated on what's going on with that. Uh, but the the news of the day, coach, is that finally the last piece of the assistant coaching puzzle was put in place. So we you know you know John David Baker got a job uh, with Lane Kiffin. At Old Miss, he was promoted last year and became USC's tight ends coach. Uh, you know, came over uh, with Graham Harrell, and this was his first full time assistant coaching job. He sticks around for one year, and Lane Kiffin poaches him away. Now you're going to uh, t- promote from within again. So it's Seth Dagey, and um, he was an offensive quality control assistant. Actually worked uh, for Mike Jenks at Bowling Green, so he was a full time assistant there. He was, a, I think, a grad assistant to start, then coach wide receivers, and uh, I think he actually added special teams title towards the end of his uh, tenure there as well. Been with USC the last couple of years in that uh, you know analyst role, and he gets promoted, and you know coaches the tight ends or you could slash inside receivers. Um, that's going to be uh, his job. But you know, very familiar with a lot of the players that were recruited. Uh, was involved in in some of their recruitments for sure. He definitely knows how things, you know, run at USC. And I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach, on uh, USC hiring uh, Seth Dagey.
2: Well, I think they had to hire somebody, and uh, they want to keep somebody uh, that knows the offense. Who the offensive line coach that somewhat uh, understands the offense that uh, Graham Harrell's coaching, and now he's got his. Uh, Receiver coach or a tight end coach, as you say, that's another Texas guy. I keep talking about the people out of Texas. They've got a lot of quarterbacks on the offensive side of the staff. Their offensive line coach, I believe, was a quarterback at one time. And their tight end coach was a quarterback at one time. And Graham Harrell was a quarterback at one time. I mean, not that you can't coach different positions. I've coached just all the positions myself at the same time, too, offensively and defensively. But again, I've been concerned, as you know, in all the podcasts we've done and other shows I do, it's getting too many coaches from one area. When you have to reacquaint yourself to uh, people here in Southern California or introduce yourself, as far as on the recruiting trail. Uh, trails. Now, again, he's been in California, and again, if you're, he was turned down by Prentice Gill, a former USC coach. He was offered a three-year contract, who currently is at Arizona State. So. You really don't want to get turned down, and you got somebody at home that you know really what he does and how he does it and is familiar with the coaches and fits in with with what's going on. So he uh, went ahead and hired him, and I, I don't know him, so I really can't say exactly if he fits the package. But obviously Graham Harrell does. I think Graham Harrell is ba- basically doing the hiring as far as on the offensive side of the football, along with Clay Hilton giving the approval. But you now have an offensive coaching staff, and I don't think there's any excuses now, any excuses for the offense not being able to be air raid because it's all air raid, and uh, being successful with it because the uh, discussion as far as the offensive line coach was, was now we got somebody that knows what we're trying to do with our air raid attack, and now they have a, a receiver coach that knows what he you know what the air raid is and played it, and coached it, and knows what it's all about, so. I think now they're in a position where uh, they should be able to be real successful and, and, and recruit the type of players that you're supposed to recruit for that. Now the offensive line coach, of course, has not recruited a lot of five stars. He's had a couple of players that have made, uh, you know, all conference or won an all-American and so on, which is great. Can't coach all all-Americans, but you look for a different type of player when you coach the offensive line in the air raid attack. You're looking for a player that's six five, six six, six seven, three hundred pounds, three fifty, and if necessary, with long arms that can really take. You can take big line uh, line splits, and you can force the the receiver to the out, the defensive people to rush to the outside, and your arms are so long you force them away from where the pocket is, so you make your pocket much bigger. So I think this is what they're going to look for, and I think you can do this. Possibly with a lot of three stars, but you're not going to get five stars to come to USC currently now as an offensive lineman. But you're one-dimensional. You're a pass, you know, pass-blocking team. So you have to take, uh, like he did at Washington State, and take three stars and maybe occasionally one four-star and develop them into what you know can be the type of offensive lineman. That can block uh, your scheme. So I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're planning on doing. I don't think they're planning on changing anything as far as what their offensive philosophy is. So now they have their offensive staff, and now they can move forward. So, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure if they're planning on being, you know, a, a running type of attack. I think their whole belief now is passing the football, which it was from the beginning.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I mean, we—that's where we've seen everything skew towards. It's certainly the passing game, and that's the kind of players they've recruited in the last year or so. There weren't the highly ranked guys, coach. So we'll see uh, if Clay McGuire, you know, that's now official. Um, if he's going to be the guy, I mean, if he's going to be able to develop these guys and and turn those three star dudes into all conference type of players, things he was able to do at Washington State. So I think uh, Graham Harrell, Clay Hilton—they're counting on uh, Clay McGuire to be able to. Uh, do that. And we'll see, you know, what, um, you know, Seth Daigie is able to do uh, as USC's tight ends coach. You know, they just didn't see a ton of production out of the position um, last year. And we'll see where uh, this kind of advances going forward. Um, coach, there's also, you know, you, you talk about the running game. There's a couple of transfers that's going, that are going to help the offense potentially. And uh, the first one that we heard about was Colorado wide receiver, Katie Nixon kind of a jack of all trades guy can do a lot with the ball in his hands. But the interesting one to me is Keontae Ingram uh, from Texas. Uh, just, you know, he wasn't a, a big guy coming out of high school. It's like 6'1", like 187, 189, something like that. But he bulked up at Texas and he was up 220, 230. And uh, Gabe Brooks, who does a good job analyzing recruiting in Texas, said that, you know, he feels like he'd be better suited to play in more of like a two ten kind of range, and we'll see what he does when he comes to USC. But did when he excelled in high school, it was running these kind of spread offenses with the wider splits, like you mentioned, zone blocking schemes on the offensive line. Didn't really fit what they were doing at Texas, but potentially could be a good fit for for USC. So two kind of important pieces being added to the offensive. Uh, system here for USC, Keontae Ingram and uh, Katie Nixon. I just want to get your thoughts on on those guys, Coach.
2: Well, Nixon, obviously a, a good little player. He's not, you know, I don't know if he's any better than Gary Bryant. Or he, I know he wasn't a Gary Bryant out of high school. was not recruited as heavy as Gary Bryant was. So I think whenever you bring in somebody, you got to have a reason to bring in a, a transfer. You need there's a need there, or you you don't think your players can play that you can't win with the players you have. And I think USC has some great receivers. When you consider the receivers USC has and Ford not even playing yet, I mean, really, you've got some great receivers there. And I think you you sort of uh, have a question with your – got to be very careful with your underclassmen when you bring in somebody because someone doesn't come there if he's not going to play, and what you promised that person to play. And these guys have waited their turn now to play – as far as a receiver, and now you're bringing a receiver that's going to be a senior, and you say, why? Why is this necessary? He didn't have a great year last year. I mean, uh, unless you plan on doing a lot of different things, he can't do anything different than what Gary Bryant can do. I about bet you Gary Bryant could beat him in a race. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know times, but I'm just saying he's a great player. He's a hell, he's a hell of a recruited player, and you bring in somebody to play possibly the same position, you, you, you sort of wonder, is an underclassman? Why is that necessary? What have they told me? I was supposed to come in and get my chance right away. So it was there a, a, a necessity to bring in a receiver. Was it really essential to have a receiver in order to win? I don't know. As a player, I would say, I don't think so. As a outsider, such as I am, I, I say, I don't think so. Uh, they talked to him about a special teams guy. I think he has special teams guy. Now, He'll probably come in and make first team All-American or whatever. But uh, I, I that's what you have to be careful of. Got to be very careful bringing in players at positions where you already have players. So that's what I'm concerned with there. Nothing against the kid at all. Kid wants to play. Kid wants to get into an offense where he can play. And who knows what they told this kid, okay, as far as why he wanted to come play at USC. Now, as far as the running back is concerned, uh, you know, he didn't really play last year. He opted out, didn't play the season. He had a good, I think, freshman year, sophomore year, and then he really hadn't done much since then. So I got to be very careful in recruiting people, but USC really can't recruit any offensive backs. They really can't go out and get a great freshman running back or whatever because of their style of play and running backs want to go where you run the football. So As being a bigger kid, he'll be a better pass blocker type of kid. He's more physical. And uh, why would he leave Steve Sarkeesian and what they're doing there? Steve Sarkeesian is coaching pretty good running backs at Alabama. So my question is, why does he leave Texas for USC? Uh, He might have had a pretty good relationship uh, before with the Texas coaches that are on USC staff, but I'm always very concerned I mean, I want the better players. I don't want players that other people don't want or let go. So I'd be a little concerned there, uh, too, but I think uh, they were in a position where they needed a running back. So they took their chances with this young man, and I hope this young man comes through for them because they really do need a running back, and, and, and I think that's what's happening. They're the same thing with a lot of other players that they're considering taking. Didn't they take a... A safety two from Texas? Why did he leave Texas? I start to wonder why these kids leave schools. I'm always very, very conscious of why kids leave schools as far as transferring. You know, now, a lot of players really transferring. to have great career, especially at quarterback. But, uh, you know, that's my thought on that. So I'll leave it at that because I don't know any more than
1: that. Yeah, it's one of those things where you hope it's just you, your time sort of ran out of the place and it just wasn't working and you need to change your scenery. And that's what I think the tr- coaching staff is hoping for, you know, bringing in four transfers, certainly running back with a position of need. Uh, like you mentioned, receiver probably not as much. There's some really good top end talent, just maybe not a ton of depth, but a guy like Katie Nixon, I think he will be taking away chances for Gary Brian Jr. if he's going to win that spot. So that'll be interesting to kind of watch how that develops He's on campus now. You can see, you know, when spring football happens in April, we'll see how that kind of you know, the chemistry he builds with Keen Slovis and all that and how they use him because he was used in a lot of different ways um over the years uh at Colorado. Okay,
2: let me let me let me interrupt you. Yeah. I would have kept Marquette I would have kept uh, steps before I'd have taken any running back. I'd have said anything I had to do to keep him. So, you know, he he you can't give me better running backs than him.
1: No, he's legit. Um, uh, but that and that's a situation, coach, where, you know, we've heard from Mike Jenks that they've never had running backs like in this system that were that big. And obviously Marquis Step wasn't happy with his role. USC wasn't able to to, you know, kind of adapt and play a guy like that and and have him be satisfied with his role. They're hoping that a Keontae Ingram will be better in that role. And with the, you know, Clay McGuire, the offensive line coach, they'll have the splits that they want to run things out of. And I think they're just hoping in general, everyone's going to be on the same page and there's going to be, it'll the run game will be a little bit easier than what it was this past year when you sort of had a blocking scheme that wasn't necessarily suited for the type of offense that they, they want to run.
2: I understand that hundred percent. So now let's see what happens.
1: We will see. Um, also, let's see. We wanted to talk about you um, talk about the transfer portal stuff. A couple of uh, analysts, and we talked about this on Tunnel Vision. And a guy like Seth Dage, who you know had experience as a you know a full time assistant coach, he was someone that was on their support staff. And I feel like the one thing that Mike Bone was able to do and help this program grow in is really build out that support staff. So you would have the opportunity to promote guys from within if you wanted to. And there's also going to guys will be poached away. I mean, you have former players like Hayes Pillard and Chris Claiborne that were on the support staff. Claiborne gets a job uh, at Arizona State, and uh, he gets a bump up there. Hayes Pillard uh, goes to the NFL. He's uh, working with the Jets now. And I I think that's showing that USC is doing a good job of identifying potential future coaches right and not that they always have to be promoted from within usc but if you bring them on as analysts and they show that they're doing a good job other programs will notice and other programs could come in and hire them away and who knows maybe a couple years from now chris claiborne comes back to usc as more of a seasoned college linebacker coach who knows it's hard to say uh or hayes pillard could too but i want to get your thoughts on on like those guys departing coach and, and you know if if you feel USC is doing a better job of building out their support staff than they have in the past,
2: well, I hate to see him ever lose players like that. Clay, uh, Chris Clayborn, you know, Hall of Famer, War Number Fifty Five, uh, No Southern California coach at Long Beach Poly, been a head coach at Calabasas. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, just a just a, a Trojan, and and I'd not be able to find a place for him. I think Herm Edwards is doing a great job. He's got Chris Hawkins over there, did a great job of recruiting and a great job of coaching. He's got Prentice Gill Hill over there, who's doing a great job of uh, Prentice Gill, who's the receiver coach. And now he gets uh, Chris uh, to go over there. Uh, Man, I'll tell you what, they're they're going to come into uh, Southern California strong. And, uh, You know, whenever you leave a program and go somewhere else, you're not really happy, especially if you feel like, you know, maybe that you could have got a position there and you didn't get that position there. But you remember the hullabaloo that was made when he came there to coach. And uh, But I hate to see Trojans like that leave the program. I really do. Now, there's still Trojans that are there. Don't get me wrong in other positions. But when you lose a, a guy like that, a Hall of Famer, uh, to a, a conference school, Arizona State. I, I, you know, uh, I don't think it looks good uh, as far as for the alumni football players, uh, the connections with the past players that have played at USC. Uh, do they do they feel like uh, their guys are being taken care of? Uh, you know, that there's the things going on on the side. You know, Zoom phone calls and so on uh, among players. In fact, I think it was yesterday there was 45 former alumni players that uh, had a Zoom call, and why do they have that Zoom call? What's it all about? Do they feel like the program's headed in the right direction or not headed in the right direction, or, or they're not, they don't feel a part of it as much or uh, that anymore? I don't know. But, uh, you know, a lot of these things happening, and and then how many people have thought about Todd McNair? You know who the running back coaches for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Todd McNair. No one talks about that. I mean, he's back in coaching. Bruce Aarons, who I know real well and was on a board with him at one time. I mean, he gave him another chance, and I think that's great. So he's going to the Super Bowl with Ronald Jones, man. Ronald Jones had a great career at USC. The only USC player in the Super Bowl. He was there 15, 16, 17, years, 15, 16, 17, and he rushed, you know, over 1,000 yards every single year, just about. So I think a senior year, he went for fifteen hundred yards. So he's been a great player in the NFL and Todd McNair, I wanna congratulate him as far as going to the Super Bowl and you know, there's a lot of things happening with the S C family as far as is there unrest, is is the things going right? Uh, uh, so you know, there's a lot of things behind the scenes happening. Why wouldn't they have hired Hayes Pillard in a in a key position at USC? Rather than go to the Jets, I don't know. Maybe he wants to go to the NFL, but uh, uh, you got to keep guys like that around. I, I would think because of the contacts that these players have with former players and also in recruiting.
1: Yeah, uh, we will see, Coach. There's, I mean, I, I give him credit for hiring those guys to begin with. They definitely have a more robust support staff, but you can't keep everyone, and you, there's no way to, to hire all those guys. You only have ten, you know, assistant coaching spots. And I think for someone like Chris Claiborne, we could, you know, give, you know, kind of be critical towards USC if they hire a a guy like that who's a USC legend but doesn't have a lot of experience. He goes to Arizona State and, like, coaches for three years. Maybe he comes back to USC at some point. I don't know. But um, he's got
2: as much experience as any of those other coaches. He's coached the defensive coordinator at Arizona State. He coached with him at Long Beach Poly. He's been a head coach. He's coached at Oak Christian as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's coached as much as any of these other coaches who are coming in, you know what I mean, and coaching certain positions. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that, you know, you, you, I think you got to give a strong look at a lot of your local coaches when you do hiring that you can network throughout the coaches in Southern California and the state of California that they know who you are, you know what I mean? And You create relationships as when you played football or when you worked your way up the the line, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I get, get what you're saying, Coach. Then um, yeah, interesting. Todd McNair and Ronald Jones, the only Trojans uh, in the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. So we'll see what uh, Ronald Jones. They, he's had some huge games, and Leonard Fournette would come in and play. And uh, but they have a pretty good one-two punch there, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna have to be effective uh, running the football, helping Tom Brady out if they're gonna have any chance of beating Kansas City.
2: Well, I, I think, the, you know, you got to do it all. You can't have any turnovers. you got to play a perfect game. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I really do. I'll tell you, two Hall of Famers, uh, potential Hall of Famers, uh, playing uh, uh, at a home stadium. Uh, um, I can't just imagine. It's going to probably be the biggest handle ever betted on any Super Bowl game or maybe viewing audience, the biggest ever. Uh, that's what the uh, pattern has been as far as – You know, coming up to this game. And uh, I think it will continue because people are bored and people want a little incentive. And I think uh, uh, it's going to be that way. I think people, I just hope people don't party and break. uh, You know, we have some more problems with this virus and all this and that. Watch it at home with yourself and your family. Don't go out partying and, and doing all these crazy ass things that people are doing. And then uh, we go back, and just when we're opening up things now, it all starts back like Thanksgiving and Christmas and holidays, and we're back having a problem again, you know. Before they do that, and as much as I love football, I'd like to see them cancel the game, because I want to see our country healthy. I want to see uh, see our country going back to work. I want to see all the things that are necessary, and I hate to give this lecture again, but we're all one team, and we got to all win.
1: Yeah, hopefully everyone wins and they're safe during the Super Bowl. It's always a good distraction. And uh, to be sad that that football season is going to end, but uh, it was a crazy one and more interesting one that we'll ever see. Um, okay, why don't we take a quick break, Coach? We'll come back and answer some questions. Back in a minute.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Let's start with a voicemail. Coach, i play for you. Get your thoughts.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for all the hard work. Phil Beach Sandy here had two questions. First of all, uh, I know a lot has been made about USC's inability to sign top offensive line talent for some time now. It seems like that trend is moving itself into the linebacker core. Just not seeing a lot of linebacker commits while they're do seem to be defensive line commits, um, a great number of secondary commits. Um, even the three athletes we have on the 2021 list all seem to play in the secondary. My second question was, um, while I'm really excited to see Keontae Ingram coming out to USC, um, guy looks like an incredible back, kind of a Ronald Jones type running back. Um, USC has, you know, continued to split its carries. And now we have, in addition to Ingram, we have Stephen Carr. If is back, Keenan, Kristen's going to be in the mix. And if we start trying to split those carries, it just seems like, you know, these guys really need to get going. Seeing Ingram, he seems to get going as the game goes on. And if he's pulled out of the game, uh, I would have to imagine that's going to be frustrating. So I'm just curious on thoughts regarding that. Thanks again. All righty.
2: Um, let's see.
0: Uh so the first, first one was so the, the, sort of
2: the linebacker. Yeah, the
0: linebacker
1: line. recruiting as opposed to defensive back commits. And and we I forgot to mention this, Coach, but you know, signing day is Wednesday. It's uh the traditional signing day, but really the early signing period is where the majority of players are signing. USC does have a four star linebacker that they are likely going to get, uh Rajon Davis from um, modern day high school former commit to uh lsu so Sylvie sandy that would be a good grab for usc on wednesday but you're right i mean you got a guy like dante williams in there coach he's just crushing it and getting dbs all over the place which you need but you'd like to see some higher ranked linebackers as well
2: well it goes back to a lot of thinking and uh Parents and uh, coaches in their high school level and so on. It all reflects the the error rate attack affects your own football team, your whole football team, All right? Where do you get better as a linebacker? You go against your own team every day, right, in practice and spring practice and everything. And if all you see is pass, 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 how do you become a run tackler? How do you become a complete linebacker? So, you know, when you're a linebacker, you got to stop the run. You got to plug the hole. You got to do all these different things that are necessary to become a great player. You got to be able to show it on film and, and be, and become better. And when you don't really have that opportunity, how does USC's defense get better when they go against just one type of offense that is, uh, set up for uh, a whole different look as far as people are concerned? Okay. So I would think a lot of players consider that as far as uh, where I should go to school and how I can become a better all-rounded player. Now, if you're a secondary guy, I guess you cover the pass all day. Uh, And I think that's pretty good, but you got to be able to come up and tackle people too. Believe me. And uh, so, you know, if if I'm playing USC, I'm going to run at their corners. Okay. And make make them tackle me because that's something they don't like to do. And they're used to covering and, I'm not going to give you a game plan, but I'm just going to tell you they've had trouble stopping the run at times as far as the linebackers over-pursuing or not plugging the hole or doing the things that are necessary to do. But you've got to have practice to be able to do that and see all the different types of series and cross-actions and and you know blasts and things that you don't see as far as it's quarterback going under center and running the eye. and Where do you see that at? How do you get better at that? With a scout team running against you? I mean, that's not uh, ones against ones doing things that you're going to see in the football game, ones against ones. And when you make a decision as a parent, and kids today are smart and coaches are smart, and, you know, they're they're educated on exactly what you have to do to get better. And uh, you have to be able to uh, see what you're going to play against. And to become a better player over several years, you can't just go against the pass every day and do different things. And, you know... Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. You're at practice every day. How much do you see of some of the things I just mentioned or the jumbo formation or, or some of the things that you're going to have to learn to play against in the game? So uh, I think that's part of the, uh, the certain positions that uh, USC will have a problem recruiting as far as offensive linemen and running backs. And on defense, probably linebackers and uh, maybe defensive linemen at the same time. So uh, you know you got to look at the whole picture when you evaluate as a student athlete and a parent and a coach on where your players or your son goes to school.
1: Yeah, um, no, I agree with you there. We'll see what we'll see what USC is able to do going forward with the the linebacker spot, but there's definitely been a focus more on the defensive backs. But you know you have your best recruiter there, and I think that makes a big difference. Um, the other part of that coach would be about uh Keontae ingram and splitting carries with guys oh, yeah. like uh you know uh, stephen carr and uh, Vavai malapai any concerns there
2: no no concerns there uh i'm assuming i'm assuming that Carr and malapai is coming back uh because uh where would they go what are they going to do uh, so that's best for them to come back. It really is. Now, are they utilized and, uh, and uh, alternated every other down, or is there going to be a back that's going to get into the rhythm and get a feel of the game, including Ingram, where, hey, you're our best back, you're going to play, don't look to me at the sideline, I'll take you out when I think you're tired, don't come out when you think you're tired. Get used to carrying the ball and be a complete running back and get it done. Now, I think that's the way most teams play that have great teams. I don't know how many times you saw Harris come out of the game, but he came out occasionally at Alabama or the running back at Ohio State. Yeah, he came out of the game occasionally. But, hey, you, your number one dude goes, man, and that's his job. He's the best football player in the field. You've got to have your best football players on the field, the ones that get it done in, in all your offense and what you're trying to accomplish. So you saw them catching the ball and running the football, and whoever's the best, whether it's Ingram or Malpezi or Carr or whoever, that guy's got to go on every down. So first of all, you don't want to have tendencies that this guy's in when you're running this play, and this guy's in when you're running that play, and you never get a you never get a rhythm as far as seeing the same blitz two times on how you block somebody and you missed it the last time. Or when you ran the last play, you should have cut it back, but you never see the play again. But somebody's in there the next time you play it. So, you know, the, this is just my philosophy. My philosophy is the best guys play. And you've got to have a guy to fit your offense that does it all. So we'll have, see, have to wait and see. That had not been their philosophy. It's a multiple choice. There are 31 flavors as far as that. the way I looked at that. And uh, my best guys are on the field. Because it gives me the best opportunity to win.
1: Coach, um, You, know, we mentioned we're talking about signing day. I wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick. The early signing period that started a few years ago back in December. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest. Like, I'd rather see a very early signing period followed by, um, you know, like the regular signing period where most players are still signing uh, in, in February um, it just seems like it's a crazy time when you're doing this in in late December before Christmas you got finals bowl prep you know this year was even crazier with the pandemic and uh you know you're you're finishing up your championship games and things uh, any thoughts on the early signing period and if you if you like it versus compared to um the you know the traditional signing day that's coming up on Wednesday the first Wednesday every February
2: Well I'm sort of a traditional guy I think it was done that way in the first place cuz it's the best way to do it the best way and it gave more of an advantage for people to be able to prepare for their uh, bowl games and do the things they needed to do and give kids an opportunity to have visits and kids had an opportunity to think a little bit more about where they want to go and go to school not just take an offer and be told, well, if you don't take this offer, we're going to give it to somebody else and all this and that. I think it's a, a long, drawn, up, drawn out process. This is better. and It was a huge event. Everybody would gather around and they'd have on national TV. They still do it a little bit uh, uh, as far as the, the commitments and who's going where in the best recruiting classes. And I thought that was great. I thought it was just part of tradition. Now it's, I don't know why they, they want to have it so early. I have no idea why they want to have it so early. I mean, you're doing too many things at one time, as you mentioned, Ryan, doesn't makes sense to me. This would have been a great period of time of evaluation and commitment and Players are now more uh, into the coaching changes that have gone on. You know, there's been some coaching changes done. Tom Herman, like at Texas, did the whole recruiting class. They, they gave him an endorsement, and they let him go. So what, how's that good for the kids as far as thinking they're going to play for Tom Herman and now Steve Sarkisian's there or some of these other schools? Or the moving of, you know, the coach from uh, uh, Central Florida now to Tennessee. I mean, really think about that. I mean, this would have been all avoided if you have a February, February signing date. So I think that's the way it should be. I don't think it's fair to the kids that, to look at it, to think you're going to play for one coach, and you're going to play for another coach. I mean, I just don't like that, and I don't think what the what's a big rush. I don't know why it was put in there in the first place.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan. I'm hoping, I was hoping they are going to change it this year. They did not, but maybe they will. Down the road and uh, while we're recording coach USC did tweet out something it's the looks like the full strength and conditioning staff for Robert Steiner he's the director of football sports performance Um, but he has they put uh, they have an assistant director of football sports performance that Ian Burris Uh, I don't know who these people are so we'll have to find out but they just tweeted it out and then assistant director of football sports performance also Chad Smith. And then there's two assistant football sports performance coaches, um, Adrian Briones and uh, Xavier Gold- Gooden. So they tweeted the picture, like some of their pictures out, and their titles and everything. So uh, there's, they're supposed to start uh, their winter conditioning program uh, today, actually. So this looks like they've now got their full staff in place, and they'll hit the ground running. If you remember last year. USC didn't have, um, you know, uh, or yeah, two years ago, Aaron Osmus in place for that winter workouts. And so they were sort of using the old staff to begin with. So at least they got the staff put together now, coach, and they're, they're moving forward with that.
2: That's good. That's good. You got to start early, and, uh, you know, the, you got to build a belief in these players. They're going to look forward to meeting these coaches and seeing who they are. I don't know if any of them are holdovers. I don't have any idea.
1: No, I think it's all new. uh, I think everybody's new.
2: Everybody's brand new. So I don't know where they're from or where they've been or or if they're all from Notre Dame or whatever. I have no idea. So as time goes on, we'll check it all out and see how it works. And again, you know, remember a year ago, they thought that Amos, however you pronounce his name, was the greatest thing that ever happened since sliced bread. And a year later... The tug of wars and the steaks, uh, barbecued steaks and all that isn't good anymore. So, you know, it has to be somebody that's unique. It has to be somebody that kids like to go in the weight room. It has to be something your head football coach goes in the weight room. It has to be important. And it has to be somebody that really uh, gets along with kids, not just choose them out. Because kids get tired of hearing that. Kids get tired of listening to people yell at them, okay? After a while, they quit listening. So it's got to be a place you go into you want to go into because that's where you really become better and you become a football player, as I said, rather than a weightlifter.
1: All righty. Well, that was a little breaking news in the middle of our show. So, you know, the, the that winter conditioning program starting today, looks like the full staff will be there. So it'll be interesting to see what the, the, the players think about those guys. But let's get back into questions, Coach. Um, Chris wrote in and said, is Eric Bieniemy the kind of head coach needed for USC? What do you think, Coach? Eric, the uh, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll give you my thoughts, but I'll, I'll get yours first.
2: Well, I know of him, and uh, uh, I would say right now he'd be a better candidate for the NFL. I think he's become more familiar with the NFL. I really don't think uh, – uh, no matter who the coach is, he's got to come in and learn what the rules are as far as in college coaching now and take a test and all this and that. I think that uh, it's got to be somebody that has contacts, has been on the road, that knows people, that can pick up the telephone. And, and uh, just because it's you, uh, they take your call. And just because it's you, they'll say, Coach, I'll help you with that player. And I'm not saying that he can't get that done. But I, I like the college approach better. Now I know Pete Carroll came from the NFL, so I, I you know people are going to say, "Well, where did Pete Carroll come from?" Okay, I know that. I think it's great, but uh, you know you'd always have that type of success. So, uh, uh, they, Pete Carroll was unique. Okay, brought in the greatest staff that you could ever bring in. I mean, when you think about the staff that he had at USC and putting a uh, Kirby Wilson along with Dwayne Walker, both Southern California kids, and made him a part of this coaching staff, brought him from New England. And Ed Argeron and Davis, the offensive line coach, you just consider that staff that he put together. You said, my goodness, what a great staff. But that's Pete Carroll. And with his personality and everything, yeah, he was able to pull it off coming from. But his first year, he struggled, if you remember. He got beat in the Las Vegas Bowl by Utah. And then all of a sudden, he brought it around and became a philosophy. And they got great players. And when you get great players – then all of a sudden you become a pretty good coach and uh, if you when you coach him up. So I don't know. I can't say whether he is or isn't. He could come in and be a Pete Carroll. So I don't uh, really know that, and I can't answer that question. I would hope that if they selected somebody like that, that he could be a Pete Carroll coming from the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Eric Bieniemy. I think I, I agree with you. He's probably more of an NFL guy. Obviously, USC doesn't have an opening right now. But for me, if you're going to hire a head coach, and you've tried the coordinator thing for a while. Now, they weren't as successful coordinators as, um, you know, former coordinators as he was. But I think you need someone with college head coaching experience. I think that's got to be priority number one if you're going to hire a head coach. Like, they USC's not done that. They haven't hired guys with a ton of college coaching experience. They've hired guys that they're familiar with. I think you got to get back to hiring a guy that's proven that he can coach in college. So if you're going to go in that direction at some point, that's what I would like to see. Um, and I agree with you. Yeah. Lloyd wrote in about the offensive line. And uh, Lloyd, we're going to have to work on your grammar a little bit here. I want, Hopefully I'm conveying exactly what you're saying or what you intended to say. He says, I, Ryan, I guess Graham Harrell kind of shot down your theory uh, that they need an offensive line coach familiar with the air raid. So do you think that maybe the problem is the quality of linemen they've been recruiting? For the most part, they're ranking – they're recruiting three stars, and they're only three stars for a reason. I look at a top team like Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia. They recruit four- and five-star linemen. SC has a problem on the offensive line. And, Lloyd, I'm not sure what theory you're talking about, but I felt that Graham Harrell needed a offensive line coach. If you're going to run the air raid, and there's some people that don't like it, obviously, you know Coach Hyde's been very critical of it. But if you're going to run it, I feel like you need an offensive line coach that's familiar with the system. It just seemed to me it was like apples and oranges with, uh, you know, Drevno and 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 Harrell, um, but they and they had recruited offensive linemen that were four and five stars leading up to the last couple of years, and then it sort of fell off. And you know, you had the Austin Jacksons and Elijah Vera Tuckers and guys that were ranked, you know, really high. They just haven't got those guys the last couple of classes. And Oregon's done a really good job of doing that. So, like Coach mentioned earlier, it's going to be more about developing these guys and then, you know, hopefully changing that around. And you're, if you're USC, you want to recruit those four- and five-star guys if you can. I think he does have a problem on the offensive line. We'll see how they addressed it by hiring uh, Clay McGuire and getting rid of Tim Drevno. But any thoughts on that, Coach?
2: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, where these guys came from and their programs, they came from there are programs that didn't get four or five star players, okay? The Air Raid Attack was developed <clears throat> for programs that didn't have the same type of players, money, revenue, as the other guys do, okay? So they had to take <clears throat> three and four star players. That's not, not a lot of four star players, Ryan. Three star players and develop them. That's including all positions, okay? develop them or get transfers from other schools like they did at the quarterback situation at Washington state because they threw the ball all over the place and develop them to the and and try to beat people never having great defenses outscoring people. Okay. And that's what you did. That's when the wishbone came in and people started running the wishbone or the veer or different things. You take the, Service academies, they always do something that's triple option or something different that you can't prepare for week after week, and they become a great football team. They can beat you any week, but you don't have time to get ready for their chop blocks and low blocking and not options and all the things you don't see every week. Well, that's the same thing they did at Texas Tech, and that's the same thing they did at Washington State. And, you know, they did it at programs where you couldn't beat Texas or you couldn't beat Oklahoma or you couldn't beat SC. You couldn't beat these other schools, Stanford. So you had to go to something different. So that's what they did. But USC, you don't have to go to something different. You don't have to coach three stars in the. This is my whole point on the whole thing. whole point is hey, you get the best players in America at USC. You don't have to coach three star players. Not that these kids aren't good kids. Why should you have to? Why not have them be all five star players? so that your receivers and your quarterbacks, that they're getting good four- and five-star quarterbacks and receivers. But with the fifth vote, if you put the complete package together, you'll be getting the five-star running backs along with the five-star lineman, And the same thing on the defensive side of the football. So you've got to be able to, you know, have it all to win. And right now, what it's done is it's hurt the defense at USC because they can't prepare for what they're going to see against great football teams. And it, the offense is running an offense that they've run where they haven't had any players, and you're not going to get any players. But they've been playing with those type of players to equal it out. And their philosophy is if they could do it at Washington State, it should be better at USC because we get better players. Yeah, but you're not getting better players anymore. And that's why those players aren't coming there anymore. So, you know, you got to look at the whole picture of this air raid picture and where it started and where it's going to end up. Occasionally, you pull a big upset like Mike Leach did this year against LSU in the opening game. Yeah, you'll do that occasionally. But look at the overall record at the end of the year. And, And that's the thing you have to look at as far as what you do. But USC's got a whole different philosophy to me of who there should be, the face of the of the Pac-12, we've talked about this. They're the guys that line up that look forward to playing Alabama, look forward to playing Ohio State. You think they look forward to playing those people now? But well, what they're doing, I wouldn't look forward to playing them. At least history has shown the last couple of years it had not been a very pleasant experience, and there's a reason for that.
1: Yeah. All right, well, we got a couple more, Coach, and we'll let you go. Steve, class of 1980, says... Awesome program, Ryan and Coach Hyde. I listen to every episode on Apple. I fear USC's recruiting momentum will be short-lived. I see USC opening the 2021 season at best two and two, likely one and three, and perhaps zero oh and four. Wow, uh, San Jose has much improved, and Helton never had his teams well prepared for an opener. Uh, followed by Notre Dame. Enough said about that game. BYU should be better than two years ago when they shut down SC by dropping eight followed by a road game with Arizona State, which should be improved as well. What do you see as the repercussions uh, on our recruiting momentum of a two-and-two or worse start to the season, Steve, class of 1980? And real quick, um, so the the schedule isn't out yet. The Pac-12 hasn't announced their schedule. Steve, I assume you were looking at some Google of a future schedule. It does list those three out-of-conference teams, the first three, and then I think it lists Arizona State next just because it's alphabetical. But that's not the first four games. Um, Notre Dame is going to be played in October. And then uh, I believe in November, uh, that'll be October in uh, South Bend. And then there'll be a November game against BYU in the Coliseum. So we don't know outside of San Jose State being the opener. And that was the game that was moved or rescheduled because they had UC Davis on the schedule. And San Jose State, certainly awesome team last year. I mean, they were, they were amazing. Um, for what they were had to do and had to practice up in Humboldt and all that stuff. A pretty amazing job that they did, but yeah, those aren't going to be the first four games. So that that would be a tough start for sure. But I don't think yeah, that's definitely not the first four games, Steve. But what what are your thoughts on that, coach? And then you know, if they did have a slow start, would how would that impact recruiting?
2: Well, you know, don't get me wrong. I think San Jose State's Brandon did a great job. I think you should have got out of there try to get a job. I mean, they won the Mountain West Conference this year, but they didn't play a team out of the Mountain West Conference. When they did in the bowl game, they got beat. What was it, Ball State or somebody beat them in a bowl game? You know, they normally have to play uh, Cal in these different schools as far as, you know, for money bag games, as far as being able to keep their program alive. Uh, I, I would think that if USC was to be beaten by San Jose State, the first game of the year, that when they came back to their offices, all the keys would be changed on the door, okay? Saying it's over with. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be a, a real smartass, but I'm telling you, if USC is beaten in their opening game against San Jose State, a team did a great job this last year. The guy did a great, great job. Well, they didn't play a team out of the Mountain West Conference, and how good was the Mountain West Conference this year? I mean, uh, Boise State is down. Everybody was down. UNLV didn't win a game. Fresno State is down. I mean, yeah, they just timed it perfectly to get that win, and congratulations to them. But, uh, you know, really, that's a perfect opener for them. They're not like opening against Fresno State, okay, like they used to open against Fresno State when Pat Hill was there. No, that's a whole different program, okay? That's a whole different program. And by the way, I think Pat Hill would have been a great choice for an offensive line coach at USC. Knows California, great offensive line coach. In fact, Sam Baker told me it's the greatest offensive line coach he ever had when he uh, when he coached him at the Falcons. So, um, uh, but nobody asked me, so I just thought was going out there. Uh, but uh, you know. They've got the rec- They should be able to play with everybody in that schedule. If you're USC, who, who should you run away from? Is there a school on that on that schedule that you should run away from? I'll tell you what. Uh, you're right about Arizona State. That's a tough place to go and play because the longer you stay down and you're not getting the players, the stronger everybody else is going to get. Got to remember that. As long as you can keep. The, the big-time program down, the faster everybody else can catch up with you. And that's possibly, I would say, what's happening right now. Good recruiting at certain positions, ranked nationally, but is that the real picture? So uh, that, that's the way I explain it. And, and really, with that story I just told you about the change of the blocks, that happened to a program I know, and I don't want to tell you. But they, they left their office. The coaches came back to their offices. The keys had been changed on the doors of their offices. One guy was going to propose one of the assistant coaches to his wife after the game, or his former future wife, and he couldn't even get the ring out of his office. That's a true
1: story. That's insane, Coach. Uh, Yeah. That's true. There would be pitchforks and torches if uh, USC loses to San Jose State in the opener. I think that's... uh yeah it would be pretty it would not be well received from the Trojan fans we got one last one from George he says there's some really good junior college football players in the state of Mississippi go down there and sign some of them um, yeah George and real quick my thoughts on this with the transfer portal immediate eligibility and all that I think it's putting less emphasis on junior college football USC always had issues kind of getting some of those guys in they had to be dudes that could graduate and and be eligible right away. And it, so there was, it was never going to be, it was never an easy fit for USC to use junior colleges as a, as a, you know, a feeder to the USC football program. There's only a few States in the country that have like great junior college football. I think Mississippi, California is one of them. I think Kansas has, uh, I mean, there's, there's like, but Mississippi is definitely one of those States. I think it's just a tough, there'd be a tough ass to get someone to go all the way across the country from Mississippi Uh, come to USC, you know, all the grades have to be in order, all that kind of stuff for everything to work is more difficult. And now the fact that you can get a proven college player out of the transfer portal a lot easier and get them to play right away. I think it's going to be even less emphasis on junior colleges, even if it would work well for a program. So I don't know any thoughts on that coach.
2: Well, I think the junior college programs are tremendous. They're calling community college programs now. I'm a community college product. I went to community college and uh, played there. I was tall and skinny, and when I came out, I was pretty big. I was 280 pounds tackle. I went to the University of Arizona. I mean, I got a scholarship, full scholarship there. Why? Well, I didn't have anything out of high school. I think it's a, a great uh, uh, program. I mean, when you think back to junior college players at USC, had Ron Yary came out of junior college, O.J. Simpson. He came out of junior college. Earl McCullough, he came out of junior college. I mean, we could go through some of the players that have come out of junior college, but when they came out of junior college, it wasn't like they took a lot of them. They took uh, the greatest, because USC could get the greatest of them. I mean, when you think of some of the great players, Rod Martin, the great linebacker who came out of L.A. City College. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So... I think it's good, but I'm worried about the junior college program, especially in California. They didn't play this last year. I'm worried about them being supported by their administration and uh, eliminating of those type of programs. You see uh, more community college programs dropping football, which means there's a less opportunity for kids to be able to play football or play something they love to do. I mean, look at the state colleges in California, Long Beach State uh, uh, Long Beach State, Northridge, uh, Cal State, Fullerton, all these schools drop football. I mean, it was a great opportunity. Don Coryell would go 10-1 and 1 or 11-0 and 0 every year with just junior college players, just junior college players. And a lot of people are too young to remember those years with Don Coryell, but that's how he got the San Diego Charger job from San Diego State. So, you know, I think it's a great, I think the community college is really great. For kids, And, and you're right. Uh, the community colleges in California do not give scholarships, but the National Junior College Association gives scholarships. The state of Arizona has already dropped the community college football programs. No longer are they there. Some of the great programs, Arizona Western, all those players, Phoenix, they're gone. They've dropped them all already. And I worry about that spreading throughout the country. And uh, so, yes, uh, you can go out and get the great junior college player, Figueroa, number 50 for USC. I think he did a great job this year, last year, out of Riverside City College. So you can get immediate help from the junior college programs. But uh, right now I'm worried about where they are. They didn't have this transfer protocol or whatever you call this thing now where you can go from one school to the next uh, and move around like the, the players are currently doing now.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely – there's a lot of bullets being fired at the junior college football program, especially here in California. But the transfer portal, I think, is one of them, Coach, and I think that's hurting those programs too. So we'll see. But uh, thanks for the the emails there and, and all the questions. And, Coach, hey, thanks to you. Good stuff. Um, keep rolling along this offseason. The winter workouts are starting. We'll see if we can get any news out of some of those and see how the Trojan uh, players are per- going to perform – as they get ready for a later spring football starting in early April this year?
2: I think it's great. I think it's really smart to put off spring practice, move it back. I really do. Uh, because, first of all, your kids remember more. You have a longer off season as far as developing them. Be- they'll become more acquainted, to with the new strength and conditioning program. And uh, the only thing that I used to hate having a late spring practice was, if you have any type of injury, there's less time to rehab that player. That's the only thing that I had against it. But I used to like to have it as late as I could because the kids would remember more of what you've been teaching them when they came back in the fall. Yeah. But Ryan, again, I want to thank you very much for having me on.
1: Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it, as always. And uh, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.
2: To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire2022.org.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.